It's all about Jesus is what we began talking about last week, so we're going to continue that today. Let me greet our campuses that are joining with us. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and week in and week out we gather together at different locations, but we're serving the same God, and we join together for a time in the Word of God. So would you get ready to receive no matter where you're at today? Last week I began talking to you on this subject of uh, it's all about Jesus. This season, this Advent season that we're in, uh, a lot of times we get it, we kind of get it turned on its head. We kind of spend a lot of time uh, on a lot of things and, and kind of get sidetracked about what it's really about. And so this year I want to try to help all of us to be able to focus in on what this season is really about. And it really is all about Jesus. Last week we talked about the promise out of the book of Genesis, the third chapter, of where God promised that He was going to send a Messiah and that He was going to come one day and He was going to free His people from their sin and that you and I could live the life that God has for us. Today I want to talk on this subject. I want to talk about before time. Now that's kind of an interesting subject during this season. Why would I talk about before time? Now let me say this to you. There are some aspects about the creation and about God and about the Scripture uh, that kind of boggle my mind. Uh, There are things that I read in the Word of God that I really don't understand. Anybody else read some things you just kind of go, huh? What is that about? Uh, you know, when you, when you begin to talk about things like the omniscience and the omnipresence and, and all of these things about God, uh, to me that's a, that's a little bit further than my little brain uh, is able to go. Another one of those is this thing about eternity, that the Bible says, before Abraham was, I am, uh, that God is the Alpha, He is the Omega, He's the beginning and the ending. Before time began, God was, after time ends, God will still be. Now, all, all of those things are a little tough to wrap our brains around, and especially when we're talking about a baby born in a manger. But let me turn your attention to the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. Uh, if you'll go almost to the book of Revelation, you'll find it. Uh, 1 Peter, the first chapter, and I want to read to you uh, just a few verses of Scripture here, beginning in the 18th verse of the first chapter. Here's what it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb, and that's going to be important today, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen, now here's the before part, he was chosen before the creation of of the world. Now think about that for a moment, that the Bible says that before God ever said, let there be, that Jesus Christ was already chosen as the Lamb who was going to be slain for us. Before He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you who believe in God, who raised Him from the dead, and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now, when we begin to look at this and we begin to see this passage of Scripture, the Word of God refers to Jesus Christ as the Lamb. Uh, It talks about this whole aspect here uh, about that. In fact, let me just say it this way. Uh, Christians everywhere recognize the Lamb as a familiar biblical symbol. Uh, the, The Lamb is one of those things that we talk about, that we've heard about, that we refer to uh, time and time again. And, and there really is an important reason for that. In fact, when you look at Christmas time, one of the things that you see is that the angel showed up to who? 
shepherds, right? The angels showed up to shepherds who were taking care of sheep and lambs and said, hey, I've got something to tell you. There's one who's being born today uh, in a manger, and you're going to go see him, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. But then the, in the Easter season is also in reference to a lamb. When we, when we look at Easter, the two, the two highest days of the church, Christmas and Easter, both of them are wrapped around uh, this picture of a lamb. John the Baptist, in fact, called Jesus the Lamb of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul referred to Jesus as that Passover Lamb. He's referring back to the Old Testament and calls Him the Passover Lamb. The Apostle Peter talked about Jesus' blood, and he talked about the blood of the Lamb. Now, it's interesting, all these pictures of views about Jesus being the Lamb. The book of Revelation, if you study the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the last book of the Bible, uses the term the Lamb or the Lamb of God over 30 times in the book of Revelation. So how many of you know that if the Word of God refers to something over and over and over again, it's probably important that we look at it? right? And so Jesus is referred to as the lamb. But when, when we look at that, we go, okay, lambs are nice and they're cuddly and it's wonderful. And the, but what is this all about? Well, let me say it this way. To understand Jesus as the Passover lamb, we need to look back at Israel in Egypt, all right? That, that's what we've got to go to. We've got to go all the way back to the Old Testament uh, into the book of Exodus, and we've got to look there at that place where the children of Israel have been in Egyptians' bondage. Now, let me set the story for you. Most of you have heard this. Most of you have seen this at some point, but, but let me talk about it for a moment. The Word of God lets us know that the children of Israel went into to Egyptians' captivity uh, after Joseph died, and, and there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, the Bible says, that, that the Israelites are now placed into Egyptian captivity. And they are slaves there, the Scripture says, for 430 years. During the process, there's, there's one who is born whose name is Moses. How many of you ever heard of Moses? Right? Everybody's heard of Moses. And uh, Moses is born and baby, and, and we all know the story. His mother took him and hid him, and, and Pharaoh's daughter came down, and she found him, and she took him into the palace. And Moses is raised for 40 years uh, as a successor to the Pharaoh. He's going to be the next king. Uh, but one day Moses goes out, and he kind of loses his temper, right? Uh, he's been raised by Egyptians, but he was told by his mother that he was an Israelite. And he sees an Egyptian uh, mistreating an Israelite, and he kills uh, the, the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And anyway, the story comes out uh, that he, he's found out, and he has to run for his life because Pharaoh says, I'm going to kill you uh, because you have killed one of my soldiers. And so Moses goes on the backside of the desert. Now, I, I don't know about you, uh, but I kind of have uh, this idea of who Moses is. In fact, let, let me just kind of set it up for you. Uh, how many of you have ever seen the movie that comes on TBS every year at Easter time uh, with Charlton Heston? Anybody? Right? No, that's most of us. Well, let me, that's, that's, uh, let me just say this. That's kind of how I picture Moses. I, I kind of see Moses. I don't know if anybody else sees him like this, but I kind of see Moses like Charlton Heston. He, he's got the staff in his hand. He's got this thundering voice. He's stretching his, you know, come on. 
right? He, he's got to, you know, that, that's who Moses is uh, in my mind. And, and so when, when, I, when I begin to picture this story, I, I kind of see Charlton Heston standing there with, and, and really ready to go and, and do his thing uh, in that moment. Uh, but but, <laughs> but what, what I find is, is that in, in the moment that I don't really think that Moses probably looked nor acted like Charlton Heston in the movie. What, what I do know is this. The Bible says that one day Moses is out minding his own business, kind of taking care of the sheep, and uh, he sees a bush start burning. Well, that's, that's not that big of a coincidence in the, in the desert. You're in, a, in the Negev Desert. It's dry. It's arid. Uh, for a bush to catch on fire that's kind of dead is not that big of a deal. Uh, but the Bible says, and sometimes we have to slow down and read the Scripture when we read it, the Bible says that Moses turned around to look at it because the bush was not consumed. It wasn't that it was on fire that was that big of an issue. It was that it wasn't being consumed. And so Moses turns and he, he begins to go over to it. And out of this bush, the Bible says God spoke to him and said, Moses, take off your shoes for you're on holy ground. In that moment, God calls Moses to go to the land of Egypt, to go back to that place that he is now a fugitive from. And God says to him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lead the children of Israel into freedom. I want you to take them out of Egyptians' bondage, and I, I want them to be free. And Moses is like us, man. He's got all the excuses of why I can't speak right. I got all this stuff. And, and God finally just gets really frustrated and said, here, I'll give you some stuff. He said, stick your hand in your coat. He said, pull it out. It turns leprous. He said, put it back in. Take it back out. It's, it's now back to normal. Um, he said, if that's not good enough for you, take, your, take the staff that's in your hand, throw it down. So Moses takes the staff. He throws it down. It becomes a snake. Now, that, I don't know about you. That's a pretty cool trick. I mean, if I go back to the tent that night, my wife's there, I'm going to say, hey, watch this. Boom, boom, look. Let me do it again. Put it back. It's, I'm going to take that staff. Hey, watch this. Boom, the, te the tent clears out. <laughs> Finally, peace and quiet in the tent, all right? Now, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going I'm to practice What's wrong with y'all? Y'all read this stuff, but you don't really understand. I, I mean, I'm going to practice. I'm going to play with it. I'm going to say, how does this work? And, and on and on. So finally, the Word of God says Moses gets back to Egypt. He goes before Pharaoh and says, God wants you to let, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh says, who are you? And he says, well, what's this? Sticks his hand in, sticks it out. And Pharaoh says, that's kind of cool. I know the King James doesn't say that, but I think that's what he said. And I'm preaching, I'm going to tell it the way I want to. And um, he throws the snake down, I mean, throws the staff down, it becomes a snake. And, and Pharaoh says, now that one's really cool. But he says, watch this, he calls his wise men in, he calls his sorcerers in. They throw their staffs down, and guess what? Their staffs, the Bible says, became snakes as well. Now, you do that while you want to, but the Bible says it happened. But the Scripture says, Moses' snake ate all their other snakes. Now, I got a question. I don't know anybody else ever thought this. I want to know that when he picked the staff back up, was it bigger? <laughs> That's just my own question that I want to ask God when I get to heaven, okay? Uh, but anyway, some of you that's way too lighthearted for. But anyhow, uh, and, and so you, you see the process. And, and Pharaoh says no. And Moses says, okay, water in the blood. And Pharaoh says, okay, let's do it. And they do it. And Pharaoh says, okay, I'm going to let them go. And they gets the water back and right. And guess what? I'm not going to let them go. So we go through fogs. We go frogs. We go through gnats. We go through flies. We kill all the livestock. Boils come down on people. Uh, there's hail out of heaven. There's locusts. And finally, there's darkness over the entire land. And in that moment Pharaoh says okay after all this I'm really going to let him go and God says no he's not he said but we got one more and he's going to let you go 
And the scripture says that God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the death angel and he's going to pass over. And every home he passes over, he is going to kill the firstborn. But he said to Moses and the children of Israel, the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, gives us this story. It says to us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a lamb, and I want you to slay that lamb, and then I want you to take the blood of that lamb, and I want, it to pl- I want you to place it on your doorpost and over your lentils of your house. And if the blood is on the doorpost of your house, then I will pass over you. The death angel will not touch. That's where the word Passover came from. And, and he, he gave us some instructions about this lamb. He said it's got to be a male. Uh, It's got to be without blemish. There can be no broken bones in it. And he said, and then you've got to take the blood and you've got to sprinkle that blood uh, over your doorpost. In fact, if you you see the picture of this, they sprinkle the blood on top. They sprinkle it on on either side of the doorpost. And of course, the blood would have flowed uh, down to the ground is a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ that was going to come thousands of years later. Uh, But we we look at that and that's the Old Testament story. We say, well, and I've had people ask me, well, why would God require that? Why does God always, it seems like God's a bloody God. And in our, our society, the church, we don't want to talk about this aspect of blood. But I want to tell you something. The scripture is quite clear that we have got to have the blood of Jesus Christ on our life or we are not saved. It's through the shedding of blood that we come to that place where we find forgiveness. It's not that God is is a bloody God. It's not that God is some kind of an ogre in the heavenlies. It is that God understands that life is in the blood. How many of you know that you can have a body that the heart is perfect, the brain is perfect, every part of the body is in working condition, but if you drain the blood out of that body, you're going to die. Doesn't matter that everything else is perfect, it's the life is in the blood. And, and so God understood that. In fact, blood is, is one of those things that, again, we don't like to talk about, but it really is something that's needful for us today. So the lessons for us today is this, is that Jesus is God's lamb. Jesus came to this earth as the lamb of God, the Bible says, to take away the sin of the whole world. The the next thing about that is this, is that he is the only person who meets all the qualifications of the Old Testament. In fact, when you begin to read what the Old Testament has to say about the Messiah, about the one who is going to come, about all the scriptures that talk about this soon coming king, Jesus Christ is the only one who fulfills every scripture that is in reference to this Lamb of God that is going to be coming to this earth. Now, when Jesus comes here, how many of you know that, again, we're in that Advent season, we're in the Christmas season, we're in the season where, where you, you put up the little nativity scene, right? How many of you have a nativity scene? You, you got a nativity scene? I think we have 30. I think every room I go into, she's got another one in there. And, and you know, you put up the nativity scene and you got, uh, you know, you got all this stuff there. You got, the, you got the wise men there who never came to the stable, but that's a whole other sermon. Uh, and uh, it's in the book. Read it. And uh, they come about a year later. And anyway, and, and then, you know, you got the, the camels and the orangutans and the donkeys. And I, I don't know what's there, but you got all this stuff. But the the center part of this is the little manger that has the baby in it. And so we all focus on that. And and it's it's out of that manger that comes the, the, the promise 
of forgiveness. Out of the manger that comes the promise of you and I being able to live the life that God has called us to. In fact, the Scripture says that when, when Jesus was eight days old, they took him to the temple and they brought him there. And an old prophet who had been in the temple for years named Simeon took Jesus in his arms. And the Bible said that he began to prophesy over Jesus. He began to quote Scripture over Jesus. And, and he made some statements. He said that Jesus was going uh, to cause the rising and falling of many. Now we read that thing. Well, what is that about? Well, here's what he's saying. What, is, what that old man was saying is, is that some are going to follow Jesus and others are going to oppose Jesus. How many of you know that in Jesus' life, when he was here on earth, there were those who followed him and then there were those who greatly opposed him? It's the same today. It's the same in our society. It's the same in our world. There are those who are sold out, who love God and who, who have given their all to Jesus. And there are others who want to tell you that whole Christianity thing is a bunch of baloney. I don't want anything to do with it. Stay away from me and don't talk to me about that Jesus. But the Word of God says that not only did he say that, he looked at Mary, and in the book of Luke, the second chapter, here's what he said to her. Uh, he, he said to her, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. He said to Mary, Mary, a, so a sword is going to pierce you. What is he saying? He's saying to Mary, listen, I want you to understand that this baby who you're holding is born for one reason and for one purpose, and that is he is born for a cross. Now, we, we don't like to think about that. We don't look at the manger and think of a cross. But I want to tell you today, it's through the manger uh, that you and I find ourselves in that place where we now have to look to the cross of Jesus Christ who, who is going to save us and redeem us uh, from our sins. She knew that suffering lay ahead in Jesus' future. She knew that with all, all her heart, she knew that suffering was there. Well, watch this. Jesus was born to die. That, that was why he came to this earth. He, came, he didn't come to this earth so he could perform miracles. God had been performing miracles for thousands of years. The reason that Jesus came to this earth was so that he could die. You say, why would he come to this earth to die? Because there is no salvation without sacrifice. We, we've got to understand that. How many of you, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be a little lighthearted for a moment, but I'll, I'll go back into this. How many of you have heard, there ain't no free lunch, right? There is no salvation without sacrifice. Salvation always costs something. And here's what it cost heaven. It cost heaven its very best. It cost heaven the only begotten Son of God who came to this earth, who was robed in flesh, who the Bible says lived among men, and died on a cross so that you and I could have life and it abundantly. Why did Jesus come? Why did there have to be one who came in flesh? Why couldn't God do it some other way? Because God is bound to His Word. Now understand that. God, God is God and He can do anything He wants to, but He chooses to remain bound to His Word. That's, that's a, a, a phenomenal statement if you'll understand what I'm saying. That is something that we don't, we, if we don't like a law, we'll just change it. Right? Come on, you know I'm telling the truth. We, certain things will be a law for a hundred years, and all of a sudden there'll be enough of us who don't like it, we'll change the law. Why do y'all look at me that way? You know it's the truth. But the Bible says the Word of God will never pass away. That God's Word is forever settled in heaven. 
And so God had created mankind. He had put man on the earth. And, and watch this. He had given man authority on this earth. Now, don't miss this because I want, this is the whole crux of what I'm talking about today. Only a man had the authority to buy back what a man gave away. God, being God, who had bound himself to his word, had told man, I'm giving you this earth, and you have authority. It's yours. You do with it as you want. And, God, and man said, hey, we talked about this last week. I think I'll give it to Satan. So Satan takes over. Satan is the ruler. So God looks down at the mess that's on this earth, and that was the promise from last week we talked about, and said, I've got, I've got to create a way for a man to buy back what man gave away. So the reason that Jesus Christ had to leave heaven, the Bible says although he were equal with God, he thought of himself of no reputation, and he came and he became a man. Why? Because it was only through, i, I, I got to slow down because I want you to get this. It is only through man that man can buy back what man gave away. God can't do it because God set himself a parameter and said, this is not mine anymore. I'll go real slow because it's important. We miss this. We, we often say, well, why does God allow good things to happen to bad, to bad people and bad things to happen to good people? Here's why. Because man has authority on this earth. Man has a free will on this earth. Man has given that authority to Satan on this earth. Satan is called the God of this world. This is the world Satan rules over. And so we have given it away. So how do we get it back? Is God just going to make a decree and give it back? No. Why? Because God chooses to be bound to his law. And his law says mankind is in control of this earth. And so only a man who has blood can come and purchase back what man gave away. Does that make sense? All right. The book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter, the 22nd verse says, In fact, the law requires, let's go back, the law requires that nearly, nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. The law says it's got to be that way. The Passover says it's got to be blood. The Passover says it's got to be a lamb. Jesus came as the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. The only way, listen to me, the only way that you and I can come into relationship with God Almighty is through Jesus Christ. It is through a man who died on a cross who was not only man, but he was also God. Don't ask me to explain that. He was fully God. He was fully man. He died on a cross, and through him, I now can be reconciled to God Almighty. Adam and Eve sinned. The Bible says God slayed, a, uh, slayed an animal and clothed them with that covering. As the Lamb of God, Jesus had to go to the cross in order to save the world. Man gave the world away. Jesus purchased the world back and gave it to us. In one garden, 
the will of man was done. In another garden, the will of God was done. In one garden, Adam and Eve said, this is what we want. In another garden, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And it's in those two places that we see that God now gives us the authority and the ability to come into relationship with Him. Even Jesus, let me say this to you, even Jesus cannot save you without faith. You say, well, uh, you know, the, the blood of Jesus is powerful, and it is. In fact, let me, let me say this to you. I believe that when Jesus Christ cried out, it is finished, I believe that His sacrifice paid for the entirety of all mankind's sin. I don't believe that there was any sin that anybody has ever sinned that Jesus' blood does not cover. And because of that, we have a doctrine kind of sneaking back into the church. It kind of raises its head about every 40 or 50 years. And this doctrine says, well, God, God's love is so magnanimous. God's grace is so great. God's power is so wonderful that nobody is going to be lost. Nobody is going to go to hell because the blood of Jesus is powerful enough and it paid for all of our sins. No, no, no. Let me, let me do it this way. The Israelites had a choice to make. I want to tell you, I believe that there was some hard-headed Israelite who heard what Moses said, but said, I'm not slaying a lamb. I'm not putting the blood over my doorpost. I don't have to do that. And I believe that if they didn't do it, I believe their firstborn died that night. Why? Because it's not enough just to be part of a group. It's not enough to just be part uh, of a nation. Well, I, I'm an Israelite. So, no, no, no. You've got to have the blood on you. It's not enough just to go to church. Well, I went to church. Well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a member. I'm, I shook the preacher's hand. I, whatever it is you've done. Listen, none of those things save us. It's only faith in the Lamb of God that saves us. My righteousness doesn't save me. My goodness doesn't save me. A lot of times people say, well, you know, I've, I've been a good person. I understand that. But it's only through the blood. That I'm saved. God is looking for the blood on the doorpost of your heart. Just like He looked at the blood on the doorpost in the nation of Israel when the death angel passed over, God is looking at our heart and He is saying, has the blood been applied? You say, preacher, that's so gory. I don't, I don't want to think about that. I know. But the Word of God lets us know that though your sins were as scarlet, He'll make them whiter than snow. Why? How? Through the blood of Jesus. See, if, if you refuse or if I refuse God's lamb, there's no other plan. There, there's, there's not a plan B, right? I mean, a, a lot of us live life kind of plan B oriented. Think about it for a minute. Well, if, how many times have we said, well, if that doesn't work out, right, we'll do this. Well, let me tell you, in the kingdom of God, there's no plan B. God's just a plan A kind of guy. He, I, I, I can remember growing up in church, and, and uh, my parents were missionaries. My dad was a pastor. And, and so I, I can remember back in the day, I, I can remember years ago, they could preach hell so hot that you would go home smelling like sulfur. 
Anybody grow up in those kind of old school churches? I mean, you know, they, they preach it. I mean, it was when you left, you went, kind of smell like hell, don't I? I mean, it, it now see, y'all took that the wrong way, didn't you? All right. And uh, some of you need to repent and, and you'll get better. And, and so you, you'd leave. And, and I can remember growing up in, in that, that way. And, and, and I kind of had a plan B because I knew I wasn't doing everything right. But my thought was if I stayed close enough to my mom or dad that if the rapture started, I could just grab a hold of them. <laughs> right? And I'd go with them. And, and um, it, it wouldn't have worked, but in my, you know, in my little mind it worked at, at that level. And, and here's the deal is that a lot of us kind of live this life with plan B. We, we're we're kind of thinking, you know what? I know, I know the Word of God says it's through the blood, it's by Jesus, and it's through Him. But I, I, I got this handle, preacher. I'm a good person. I, you know, I, I don't treat people wrong, and I'm a hard worker, and I take care of things. And you know what? You need a lamb. And Jesus is the lamb you need. He's God's sacrifice for all the world's sin. There's, there's never been a sin that you've committed or a sin that you are going to commit that he hasn't already paid the price for. I mean, think about this for a minute. We, let's, let's again picture that baby. I mean, I mean, how many times have you looked at a baby and just thought, oh, and that's the most precious thing in the world. It's the most wonderful thing. But can you imagine looking at this baby and knowing this babe in a manger was born to die. That the whole purpose of his coming to this earth was so that he could shed his blood, that he could redeem back as a man what man had given away. See, here's what we have to understand. The road from Bethlehem leads to the cross. Don't ever forget that. When you celebrate the Advent season, when you celebrate Christmas, when you're in that moment uh, of being so excited about the birth of Jesus, understand, Bethlehem always leads to Calvary. It always takes you to a cross. It always takes you to a place that nobody wants to go. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. The Word of God says that you and I deserve death. The Scripture says, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of the Lamb before time that was slain, the gift of that Lamb is so that you and I can be saved. I'm not good enough to be saved. I can't do enough things to be saved. I can't give enough money. I can't go enough places. I can't tell enough people to be saved. The only thing that I can do to be saved is accept the blood of Jesus Christ into my life. Again, it's one of those old, gory things that we don't like to talk about, but it's the only way that I'm able to be saved. It's the only way that I can come into relationship with God Almighty. Many of you who are listening, many of you who are watching today, you've already made that decision. You have decided that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you know what? Let me say this to you. 
The blood of Jesus Christ is not just applied to your life once. The Bible says this, if you walk in the light as He is in the light and you have fellowship one with the other, the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us, present tense, cleanseth us from all sin. In other words, daily I am being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. The reason that I know I'm going to heaven today is not because I got everything right this week. Amen. It is because the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing me every day of my life. But there are others today who you have never made that choice. You've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. And I want to challenge you that before this day is over, what great thing can happen? You say, oh, I'm going to get this great gift. I'm going to get that great present this year. Listen, the greatest gift you can ever get is the gift of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the entire world. And so I challenge you today, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you don't leave this place today without making your calling and election sure and knowing that Jesus Christ is in your life.